0: In the last eight years, these accounting experts have helped thousands of sellers understand what the heck is VAT in over 20 languages and over 50 countries. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I am your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show that's a completely BS-free, unscripted, and unrehearsed organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the e-commerce world. And we've got something that's a serious subject today, but that some people sometimes don't wanna talk about. But before we get in that, I gotta I, I gotta check something out here. This is the first time this has ever happened on the Serious Sellers Podcast. All right, so... I heard Melanie speak at an event. She's one of our guests today at an event online and I was like that's a that's a subject I think we need on the, on the, on the podcast. I'm going to, you know, reach out to her and and so I had my assistant reach out or I reached out first. I'm like all right. I told my assistant Mel, you know, let let's get this all set up. So everything was was uh, good and then um as it's coming up this week I'm like why are there two names on this uh calendar invite? And then I'm just looking in the in the history and uh, somebody named Tom just happened to weasel his way onto the podcast here. You know, somehow in the history, uh, maybe, maybe he 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 slipped some some British pounds via PayPal to my assistant. But all of a sudden, now we have two people on the podcast. I, I guess Tom is a co-worker here of Melanie. Is that, is that the case? Uh,
1: yes. Tom Mick is uh, my colleague. He is... Uh business development manager, and uh, I tend to take him everywhere where I go.
0: Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Uh, I'm, I'm glad this doesn't happen more often. All of a sudden, this might, this better not start trying, hey, anybody else out there who, who's gonna be invited to the Serious Sellers podcast, please do not take advantage of my assistant and try and get like seven, eight people to come on the podcast. But I, I'm sure it'll be fine. But th- th- this is just kind of funny that this has never There's happened. too
2: easy to get All in. right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but no pressure now, you know, Tom, you'll be in the first and only uh, one to, uh, what is it called? A stowaway uh, here. That's okay. I'm sure there's got to be a reason, Melanie, uh, uh, had you come on as well. So anyways, um, <laughs> l- l- let's just find out who, who you guys are. We're talking about uh, bookkeeping, we're talking about accounting, taxes, things like that. But before we get into that, I'd like to get your 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 backstory. So, so Melanie, first of all, from your accent, I assume you're from Texas, United States. <laughs>
1: That is ever so kind. How I wish! Unfortunately, I am from, originally originally from South Africa. Um, I I've been in the UK for the past twenty years. Um, I stumbled across Tom Meek about uh, I would say four years ago, just before he joined uh, Avask Accounting. So yeah, so where we are right now, we are based right in
0: the South- Hold, hold on, hold on, you, you you skip way too fast. I I like going back, let's go back uh in time a little bit here. So growing up, did you grow up in South Africa or in UK? Yeah,
1: so I grew up in South Africa. Um, I came into the UK in my really early 20s, so I don't, don't want to give you the year because I'm okay. going to start counting how old I am.
0: So. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, uh, that, that's uh, you already kind of gave away too much information, and, and, and so like I've already did that counting, so you're too late. But it, it's fine. It's <laughs> fine. Uh, now, growing up, so my, my main point in asking, though, is not trying to out you as far as your age, but like when you were you know, 9, 10, 11 years old growing up in South Africa, what did you envision your career being like you know did you want to be a uh, you know a, a lawyer a, an astronaut or a kwaito dancer i used to do some kwaito dancing which is from south africa yeah. uh, a little bit but what, what did you want to do
1: so uh, I'll, I'll tell you now um for those guys that are listening here that maybe have got uh, some uh, friends or they know about south africa when you grow up in a household you have to be either a doctor a lawyer or an accountant and all those things for me. I just didn't think I'd ever be one of those. I just wanted to perform. I wanted to be a dancer.
0: <laughs> oh. So I wasn't so far off with the with the dancing there. <laughs> hey, I, you see, I, the reason why I like asking this is because I, I do this to all, all the guests. I think I find it interesting how we envision how our life ends up, what we end up studying, and then the world that we end up in seems to be all the same but our origin stories are different so you went to university in in the uk then
1: no went to my first my first degree was back in uh, in south africa and uh, i did my masters uh in the uk so it, it things just literally changed from wanting to be a dancer and you becoming an accountant and of course i think that's uh the choice of that career the reason why i took it i, I took it on because i was looking as to which actually career paid more money? <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: um, hey, that's important thing. Yeah,
1: already I was counting on the money as to which one is actually going to be paying me more, and accounting, of course, it came on on tops, so and I thought that's the one that I'm gonna be going for.
0: Okay, so so that's what you actually is that what you actually got your masters in? Uh,
1: yes, yes, Int- international okay. finance.
0: Okay. Wow. All right, that's excellent, excellent. Uh, quite a difference from dancing, but but hey, um being a dancer and, and making money, and you know, unless you become a backup dancer for J-Lo or something, you know, might not be that lucrative of a of a career. Now, now Tom, what about you? Where did you grow up?
2: Uh, I grew up, uh, same in the, in the UK, really, so um, being here for my whole life, and um, been with Vivasca, as Melanie mentioned, for uh, coming up four years now. Which...
0: And you're skipping ahead, too. <laughs> Why does nobody want to talk about their job? Tra- exactly. You have some, like, traumatic things, exactly. uh, you guys over there, like, so, so did you want to be a dancer too when you were 9, 10 years you old? What,
2: uh, dancing's never crossed my mind for me. Um, <laughs> but it's always been uh, the sporting dream, I suppose, like growing up, wanting to be a, a rugby player um, and ah. uh, I suppose being successful. So um, that that's sort of where where I got to um, and, and everything changed as, as the years went on, of course.
0: So very similar to Melanie, you know, your original goals, you, you maybe saw that there might not be a very stable financial future in rugby. So then what did you, what did you end up uh, majoring in, in, um, in university? Yeah, so
2: I was studying property, um, and development as well. And, uh, sort of went into to that for quite a few years, um, before, uh, looking at, at different options and again, finding myself more to do with accounting and, and VAT and, and here I am today.
0: Okay, excellent. Now let's all fast forward. What is the main thing that your the company you work for handle?
1: So what we do, we make uh, international expansion for entrepreneurs, in particular Amazon sellers, very easy. Um, right now, we launch. Uh, sell, we've launched sellers over the past eight years in. I mean, from countries for over from over fifty countries. Um, and internally at a we speak about over 20 languages, um, myself, except for Tom, of course, Tom, Tom only speaks one, but I speak a couple. Um,
0: well, what, what languages do you speak? Well,
1: they, they're not really going to be helpful, are they, in what we do? So okay. I speak a bit of Afrikaans and I speak a bit of Zulu uh-huh. and, uh, and, a, and okay. a bit of English. So yeah, so a bit of everything.
0: Yeah a side note, my favorite English accent in the whole world is South Africa. Now now I, I, I can tell you've been in the UK a little bit, you know, uh, quite a n- number of years. so so it's not as as pure, I guess as as the South African accent I normally listen to. but um, I don't know what it is, but I've always loved the South African uh, accent for, for English. Anyways, continue.
1: Yeah, so so we, we, we launched Amazon sellers into global markets. Uh, right now, we work with over uh, 15 countries where we've managed to launch launch more than 10,000 sellers uh, with their business. I, I don't know, Tom, if you wanted to add something there.
2: Yeah, I think you summarized the majority of it. I think um, that sort of international expansion into to new marketplaces, really for e-commerce sellers that are looking to you know, going to, to new marketplaces and helping them with a number of different things. But the majority is focused on that tax and compliance element.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So right off the bat, what I'd like to ask is, I imagine that you're, you know, I, I know you probably have, you know, customers in and or doing business in the USA, but um, I imagine you started off in, in your home, you know, locale being UK or Europe. So as you know, you, you said you've onboarded thousands of, of customers. So I would assume that most of these are not coming to you on day one of their business. You know, like, hey, I'm starting my Amazon business or I'm starting my e-commerce business. Let's join on this together. You've got a lot who have already been in business and doing their own thing until they come to you. So can you guys give me maybe the top two or three biggest mistakes that your customers have been making? You know, like like well, when they join you, I'm sure you do an audit or you you check out what they've been doing, what they haven't been doing. What are the top three biggest mistakes that Amazon sellers in particular, you guys are looking at their books and you're like, oh my goodness, what are you guys doing? Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, I would say, and I'm not going to say that uh, all businesses that come over to us, they are now perfect being in 2020, but I'm just really, I want to go back to 2013, 2015, Whereby the most mistakes that we were seeing then, from a an non-compliance point of view, it's not being VAT registered when they launched into the UK or Europe because they thought that they didn't need to um the Jesse. this this the second one was uh, which was very very popular around 2013 15 as well was a google translate so the translations that uh, sellers uh, were were making when they were launching their products from the from america say into the uk they'll go either to google translate if it's in german or it's uh, it, it's in italian and do the translation mm-hmm. via that route. Um, For me, I would say that was just a no, no. And also thinking about the fact that, you know, you are an American, we speak the same type of English. And um, uh, so everything, the translations should be just 100% mirroring what they've got in America. It's not always that because, you know, the lingo, it becomes different at some point whereby we say things differently than you guys. If I'm I'm around and say it's a a jersey in America, in the UK it's a jumper. So it's just that legally, you know, Literally languages that words that may be different from the way how we view them. I would say of me, those are the main ones. I don't know, Tommy, if you've
0: got any- Well, one of my one of my favorite ones is is how you all in in I mean y'all I mean <laughs> you guys don't use such words like that. I said you might be from Texas, so you know I don't even use words like that. I don't even know why I said that. I'm from California, but anyways, words like nappy. You know, to, to me, I say I have nappy hair because I have very thick hair and it gets. uh <laughs> and it gets you know very messy but in in the UK that means diaper you know it's right. still english but but it just means a different thing the uh the boot of a car like like somebody you say that here in america people are like what in the world are you talking about you know a boot is something that goes on your foot but you know here we call it a trunk right. of the car you know um a bonnet bonnet is like something that's like on your hair yeah. here but over there that's a the hood so there's all, all these uh, strange things but we we talked uh, i don't know if you know yana from yes. um, YLT Translations, you know, we, we we've had her on the show. Great yes. to talk about the uh, about that. But what about uh on more, maybe have another one from the accounting side, um, Tom? That that you could talk to us about. Well, I think
2: yeah, just just to t- take a step back. I think just to mirror what Melanie was saying about. Looking at uh, the VAT, when they need to pay, do they need to register straight away? I think for a lot of US sellers expanding to the UK, it's understanding that main difference between sales tax and VAT, and that incorporating that twenty percent in the UK VAT incorporated within the wholesale price, as opposed to being added at checkout. And I think that's certainly Mm -hmm. in recent times what a lot of people have have tripped up over. Um, And I would also,
0: you know, what let's pause right there because this is something that, I mean, I could talk about this 10 times and and I think people will still have confusion. Let's, let's do a quick VAT for dummies right here. Melanie mentioned something about, Hey, some people thought that they didn't have to do this, but they really had to. And then you just mentioned, okay, Hey, sometimes, you know, you're, you're not supposed to add it to the final price or people think you do like, like people might be like thinking right now who have never sold in, in Europe. They're like, this is, a this might be Zulu language to me, like this is a foreign language. I don't know what is, what we're talking about here. So can you give a a quick VAT for dummies? You know, how, how is it added as far as on the, on the buyer side, at what point are Amazon sellers responsible for it? You know, like, I, I know that there is, I, or I heard that there are some things where it's like, okay, only if you make over a certain amount in a year is when you have to start paying it. But, but can you just like for the next few minutes, just, just give us a crash course.
2: Yeah, of course. So um, in terms of VAT, or well, what actually is it to start off, is it's value-added tax, uh, which is obviously a, a tax that's added to the majority of goods and services. Um, and obviously, without touching on on Brexit and the implications of that, with the UK and, and the e in, as part of the EU, uh, VAT has been charged, as I said, to the majority of goods and services, and, and sellers, as they come into the EU and start selling their, their items, they need to have that Price, uh, their price incorporated within the VAT as well. So there's different VAT rates across different countries. The majority of those VAT rates are ranging between around that of nineteen to twenty three percent. As that that sort of core um, area there. Um, and with regards to when it's collected or where it goes to, it's as you uh, start selling. The tax is collected on either a monthly or quarterly basis, depending on the country that you've triggered that liability in. And that will be filed to the tax office in that country uh, by a certain date. So that's the the real quick snapshot of it. Uh, Melanie, I don't know if you had anything to add
0: to that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was going to say that from from anybody that is looking to launch from the U.S., it's really calculated differently.
0: So basically what you're saying, let, let me see if I understand this correctly, is on all published retail products online in in, in Europe the price that the, the 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 person sees that's advertised there's no tax that's going to be added once they start the checkout process
1: right. it's it is included in the product so which means that you must always make sure that it's incorporated in the retail value of the product that you are he selling
0: here's my question like uh i think uh one of you had said that um there's only a certain point where you you are responsible to pay for VAT, but it sounds like all products have that VAT built in, but if you're not responsible yet because you don't make enough money or whatever, what does that mean? That's just extra money or pocketing as, as profit until you have to, to pay or how does that right. work?
1: Right. So for foreign businesses, which are not incorporated in the UK, or in Europe, they don't have, they don't enjoy the thresholds. And again, the thresholds they are not great. I would say they're okay if you're just starting off your business, which is going to be at least eighty-five thousand. But again, if for a bigger business that is looking to scale. I would say it's not a great uh, threshold that is there. For foreign companies they've got no threshold if they don't have any VAT registered in in Europe. If say for instance um, whilst we are still in the transition period, of course the UK is going to be leaving completely the European Union, but whilst we're still in the transition period, the UK has always been seen as a gateway to the European marketplace, which means that uh, you would uh, ship your inventory into the UK and then it's going to be um, you're going to be under the EFN network which means it's going to be distributed in all the other countries in Europe or where your buyers are basically located. Uh, by doing so it means that you ha- we had or we still have up until the 31st of December some thresholds in place which means we won't have to register say in Germany up until I've, I've reached 100,000 threshold on the VAT side. As long as I don't store in Germany, I am storing them in the UK and as the sellers, as I'm, as I'm, bar, as I'm selling them they're, they're on the German German platform, they're just being bought by the German platform clients. I'm not VAT registered. When I breached the 100,000, then that's when I register.
0: Let me just give some, some sample scenarios out here. You know, I think most, I don't know, most, at least half of the people who might sell in Europe, ideally they'd want to be selling in all five now six marketplaces soon to be seven i guess with sweden coming along but uh you know maybe they're in the past maybe all of the product originally was stored in the uk obviously there's a lot of different things happening now because of brexit and so let's say you know for amazon germany let's just take amazon germany so they got a a product like it's our project x coffin shelf and they're storing it in an amazon germany warehouse and it's you know bought by somebody who lives in germany and so there's some VAT added there i would have definitely needed to have a german vat registered and i'm paying the german vat i don't know what you would call it uh <laughs> you know uh, office you know that that tax at whenever i need to pay it but now here's another scenario somebody goes to amazon.de amazon germany but they're in in belgium you know cuz belgium doesn't have their own
1: mm-hmm.
0: amazon mm-hmm. right and so what happens there like is that handled under the amazon germany vat since that's where the product is housed or or do i need to for that one i need to make sure i have a belgium vat or what's going on there
1: yeah so if you're going to be storing your products in belgium then it means that you're going to have a, a vat you're going to require it, uh, you're going to be required to have a vat number in belgium and you're going to be distance selling uh to uh amazon DE.
0: okay okay all right so I, I got to take a, a VAT break because my, my head's about <laughs> to explode here. Maybe some of our listeners who are driving and listening, you know, might have just gotten in an accident because they're like, this is too much, too, too much to uh, handle right now, but l- let's switch gears. Uh, I assume you guys have some customers who are American citizens and selling in Amazon USA or, or no. That's yeah. correct. That's correct. So
1: we've got okay. UK clients that are sending in Amazon USA, um, and again, in the in the US, actually, you guys uh, talk about when you talk about the distance selling thresholds and all that. It is about uh, mm-hmm. physical nexus, isn't it?
0: Yes, yeah. but 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 are you do, you? do you have actually American clients who are selling in the USA, or is it only European ones?
1: Oh, we've got clients coming through from uh, over fifty countries.
0: Okay, so let's let's just talk because I, I think the majority of our listeners, you know, at least half, would be here in the United States. And so I know things changed a lot over the last year with the whole marketplace facilitator tax, and now like pretty much Amazon is most of the states, Amazon is collecting and remitting. Ooh, there's a nice accounting word I didn't even know I knew that word. Collecting and you see, see, like it's kind of like uh, you guys are rubbing off uh, on me. All of a sudden I'm becoming smarter in the financial right. terms. But so uh, hold on, I, I better keep going before I lose my train of thought here. But. Uh, Uh, Amazon is collecting and remitting the tax for the states on their own, meaning that the seller is not responsible for it. So what about the few states that Amazon is not doing that for yet and the seller is in that state? Are there any like that still out there where the seller still is responsible to, to set that setting and collect the sales tax on his or her own and then remit that? On their own, or or the states that don't have the marketplace facility tax don't even have sales tax.
2: Yeah, absolutely. There, there certainly are. There's um, there's a number of states that, that sellers I say still need to think about when trading on Amazon.com, um, and it really depends on which marketplaces they're selling. But if we zoom in, perhaps more on, on the FBA sightings, that's most common from from what we find. There are really three states in total. Which uh, Amazon have an active fulfillment center in, but they do not have marketplace facilitators, so they're not collecting and remitting that tax in those states.
0: But what about Canada and Mexico? Canada is under a GST, which is similar to the VAT. And Mexico, like, what do you have any sellers selling in those marketplaces? And what is like maybe just the, the high, the top level thing that people need to know if they're trying to sell in those marketplaces, as far as tax goes?
1: Okay. So Canada, because our heads will be exploding, uh, Bradley, Canada is dealt with by our US uh, CPA, uh, Tim Nelson, who is uh, out uh, in, in White Plains, um, outside of New York. So we don't deal, deal with it from the European point of view. Well,
0: how, how about Mexico? Are, do they handle also the Mexico or do you have experience with that?
1: Yes, They, they handle Mexico as well.
0: Okay. All right. Cool. So that's interesting because you know just the fact that you even have uh, certain specialists on it just show that hey, it's not just a complete walk in the park that you know can be done remotely. But um, that's 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 good to know. Now, what about any other countries that you could talk about? Because you know now Amazon is expanding all over the place. What is you know some weird things that people need to know either about like Australia or or UAE or Saudi Arabia, Turkey, anything that just sticks out to you
2: yeah definitely i think um certainly for, from our side speaking to sellers on a daily basis it's um australia seems to be another very key market uh obviously in in terms of the population and, and in terms of sort of the revenue um it is building very very quickly and i think it's a, a great opportunity to expand to um in terms of um who goes there i think where well, it's a very quickly growing market and amazon are pumping a lot of uh, money into two new fulfillment centers there currently, and they really want to to really maximize that opportunity and visibility for sellers. So I'm seeing a lot of sellers currently looking at getting into Australia um, to try and get a a great presence from from day one. Um, And I would say that for a lot of sellers that are looking at um, very seasonal items, Australia is a very a great market to enter. People that are selling, let's say, beachwear, for example, they're selling um, typically, let's say, um, your swimming shorts, your flip-flops on Amazon in, in the UK and EU. Um, and then obviously, as it comes to the wintertime, their sales plummet. Okay? Um, Australia's mm-hmm. seasons are on the reverse. So a lot of sellers that have that seasonal aspect find Australia as a, a great market to be in, especially if they've got inventory left over. Now the great thing about Australia is that you have up to seventy five thousand Australian dollars until you actually need to register for the Goods and Services Tax or the, the GST. Um, so that that's a great opportunity for sellers to do, and then they can get a, a an idea for the demand. You know, um, that they can have a, an idea for how their products will, will sell in, in each of um in, in Australia, and also get to grips with all of the, the tax systems as they go as well.
0: Okay. All right. Good to know. Good to know. Let's let's just talk in general. Now, you know, we, we've been kind of focusing on on kind of like the state and, and country taxes. But uh, what about just just income tax in general? You know, some some things that Amazon sellers, regardless if they're selling in Europe or USA, you know, some some things, some mistakes that you've seen people make or some misconceptions that you think uh, sellers have that maybe you can clear up.
1: Yeah, I, I would say definitely. me touching one of the important uh, factors, especially for people that are, are launching for the first time, uh, or other people that are launching from America into into Europe, without having to think about that. You know, you've got uh, your your FBA fees, you've got uh, uh, your seller fees. Uh, you need to make sure that you filter those on the on on the price and not forget about them. You've got your advertising fees. Which play a huge role in you scaling your business. Without advertising, your business is going to be stagnant. Because even though Amazon is a big platform, you need to make sure that uh, you you push your products, you do your product up to optimization. Um, that is one thing that is very. I would say, for my side, that I see that it's a seriously one of the major things that people do not consider is. Uh, uh, product adverts that's one thing that they don't actually even think about it because they look at amazon it's a big market i'm just going to be sticking my products there and they'll sell uh there is a lot of work that needs to be done
0: okay tom yeah i I would
2: just um i would say that that is the the key contributor there so um yeah, understanding what all of the the different requirements are before you expand in, into new markets, and understanding all of the um, all of the costs that that people bear, and I think another one is is um, sort of overspending on on different uh, marketing and advertising uh, schemes as well is something that that we see a lot.
0: Okay. Okay. All right. Excellent. Excellent. What What are some some tips? Like, how have you been able to to save? your your clients money at all you know like obviously you know i'm not asking you to give away all your secret tips and tricks and then everybody leaves you and just does it on their own but i'm sure there's some things you could say where in general that are just probably people should know and they're just not doing it it's not going to cost you a client or anything but but what are some easy wins as far as on the accounting side bookkeeping side whatever the case that that you you know having 10,000 clients what what are some things you can uh, you can give some strategies on?
1: Yeah, I would say from my side, from an accounting point of view, make sure that you account for your um you 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 consider your import VAT that's uh, that's uh, it's a temporal outlay of, uh, of, of money you're gonna get it back as long as you have VAT registered uh, because if you shipping your products over into the UK in particular or Europe without you being VAT registered it means that or you're using your your careers uh, uh, VAT number you're not going to be able to to claim it back that's one thing that's very very important and I would say that uh, it, it is uh, ensuring that you consider the fact that you're gonna be have you're gonna be paying what's called duty when your products are coming through into 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 Europe. That duty amount, it's still it's not a huge percent percentage. Usually it's about two to nine percent, even of uh, based on the value of the product. You need to make sure that you account for that so that you do not lose on your margins. Because if you don't, again, okay, you know that's another. Temporal outlay—it's—it's another two percent that you would have lost on your on your on your margins, and um, I would say from uh, an accounting point of view, um, and I—I don't know what happens with the UK side, sorry, US side, but from the UK point of view, it's just making sure that you appoint an advisor from day one who is going to be working with you, and then once you have that advisor, please do use them. Consult with them, request calls, speak to them so that you make sure that because, again, you know, we need to be in a position whereby we can tailor the requirements of our clients according to their business. Even though we can be helping loads of Amazon sellers, their, their requirements are actually different from one business to the next.
2: Yeah, I think um, in terms of sort of takeaways and, and different things that, that sellers can think about, as, as Mel mentioned as well, you've got the, the import VAT and there are actually two schemes that are available in the UK um, without going into too much detail um, that will obviously allow you to reclaim that import VAT or perhaps pay less sales VAT depending on whether you fall under the threshold. So there are a couple of schemes available in the UK um, and the other aspect that I think um, is is potentially a good saving for people to, or at least a good point for people to realize when they're trading, especially in the EU, is looking at the opting as well. Um, If you've got VAT rates, for example, in Poland at 23% um, and you're actually sending products to a buyer in Germany at 19%, then the VAT is chargeable to the country of departure, in this case, Poland, but if you're opting to the country of arrival then you're going to be able to save you know a couple percent in in terms of the the VAT um if you're able to opt to the country of arrival
0: okay excellent excellent that's that's a that's a good one to uh, to know so question you know you guys have dealt with thousands of sellers are, are you inspired now when you look at some of the numbers of some of them where you're like Oh my God. Like, um, uh, I don't know if I can do the accent right, but like this person is making some ridiculous profit selling some silicone spatulas and they're just sitting in their, uh, their, their, uh, their, their house just raking the money. Like, have you, either of you been inspired? Like maybe I need to sell on Amazon or something.
1: <laughs> oh, honestly, can I, can I answer this one? or be the first one to answer. Go I ahead. would say loads of my clients have actually asked me like, Melanie, do you sell on Amazon? And my mm-hmm. answer to that is that I'd leave that headache to you. Now, you know it's uh, sometimes it's easy i, I mean i, I think for, for me from a business point of view and being an accountant I'm more like you know everybody look at um, the money that everybody earns, the millions you know, the sellers have worked extremely hard to get to where they are. And I know that, you know, you've got all the people that are gurus out there that train you. that, oh, you don't want to work with a computer by the side of the beach and all that. I, I don't think business is like that. Yes, you will you will work once you've got uh, a few millions in. But I would say when you first start, it is it is hard work. It's hard graft. So, uh, I, I love my clients. I love my Amazon sellers. They inspire me every day. Some of them, we've started working with them when they were about uh, maybe 200,000. And especially in the past seven months, they've also hit millions. They're on the millions now. And it's just inspiring looking at our other businesses. For, for, for my side, I would say I'm not inspired on selling on Amazon. I'm more inspired on looking at my clients business grow and them turning into millionaires that makes me happy
0: okay all right how about you tom are we going to see you uh, launch uh, you know some accounting ledger uh, product on Amazon UK soon?
2: <laughs> I, I'd love to. Uh, I think, um, yeah, uh, it's inspirational to see how people can start a business, especially from home and have that flexibility and, and actually make a, a huge success of it. I think that um, we hear a lot of the, the the greats, a lot of the the bads as well. And I think people that are able to, to make the most of, of different opportunities and, and COVID being one of those that are a prime example of that. And sellers that I speak to recently that have uh, you know turned a a, a product that, that wasn't selling quite well uh, or as well as it should have done, and just completely diversified their product range uh, in line with with COVID, and, and, and have had a humongous success off that. I think it's, it's pivoting, diversifying into, into new opportunities and, and that for me is what really motivates me and being a part of that journey to advise them on where to go next and what the requirements are is, is sort of where the, the beauty of the job comes in for me.
0: Okay now now before we get into the section of our, our show, we call the 30 second tip. If somebody is is like, hey, you know what? Uh, I, there's obviously things that I need to be doing that I'm not and they'd like to you know reach out to you guys to get some uh, advice either for the UK or, or for US or wherever. How can, how can they find you guys on the on the interwebs?
1: So I would say if they can find us uh, online, uh, we are listed as a provider on Amazon SPN as well. Um, they can find uh, myself, it's melanie at havasgroup.com, but also for our clients how, how do you spell
0: how do you spell it's that? It's
1: melanie my name, which is M-E-L-A-N-I-E at A V A S K Group uh, dot com. For our clients that are listening here, I would turn around and say we've got a fantastic resource hub that's been born. Um, during COVID because we just thought how could we actually reach out to our clients and we put together a resource hub with webinars whereby we've been speaking to loads of different uh, individuals and of course there is loads of uh, that's going on with Brexit and Europe at the moment. We've got relevant articles there and they can go in. It's, uh, it's a little portal. Put your name, uh, surname, email address and you're going to be able to, to go in without any problem.
0: Okay. All right, now we come to the part of the show we call the the TST, the thirty second tip. You guys have been giving different strategies here. What can you give us, uh, you know, that is in your wheelhouse as far as you know, being accounting or tax related, something that you can say in thirty seconds or less that's very actionable, very valuable for our listeners.
2: I think that in terms of advice that I give, actionable advice, I would say um, with where we are. Currently, uh, obviously, in in Q four, looking at where we are with COVID, I think there's a, a huge amount of companies out there, like Avask, like uh, um, so many, so many others that that are available that are offering really great advice, business planning, um uh, options for you to really set a, a, a sort of a plan in place over the next. Three, six, nine, twelve 12 months. And I think to have that plan and, and coming on to the research element is really, really important for people to really understand the market, understand whether their products will sell best, do as much research as you can, but most importantly, use the p- providers, the external providers that are out there that are giving free advice at the moment because there's so many around. Um, and use of ask to plan whether you're three months off or nine months off looking at a new market. I'd say diversify. Look at your your product range and and work out how to get your products in front of more buyers, but make sure it's the right market for you.
0: Okay, cool. That's good. That's good to know. So, guys, thank you so much for coming on the show. And and Tom, uh, I guess it worked out all right <laughs> that, that you that you uh, weaselled yourself here on the on the show. No no problem. Uh but uh we we would like to maybe you know reach out to you next year. You know, in a year, year and a half, and bring you back because. Hopefully, maybe the dust has settled as far as Brexit goes. I know there's still a lot of things up in the air. People don't know how it's going to be, but but it'd be great to have you guys back and and talk about you know kind of like what European sellers uh, and people selling in Europe need to now change due to the whole Brexit thing. So we'll definitely be reaching out to you guys next year. And uh, meantime, we'll wish you guys uh, best of luck over there, and we'll talk to you later.
1: Thank you so much, Bradley. Thanks for having us. Absolutely amazing. Thank you.